Hey everybody, this is the Unnecessary Podcast and this is AJ. The Unnecessary Podcast, for those of you who are new, is a variety of topics that we talk about with uh, me and my co-host Lee. Lee, have you ever heard of Courtney Barnett who we're listening to right now? Never in my life. Uh, yeah, that's Charity by Courtney Barnett and um, I got turned on to her by, by my friend who's like almost 50 probably at this point, but he, ever since I met him uh, a number of years ago, he always like had his finger on the pulse on like cool new indie stuff. He was just the friend I would go to for the cool shit. So anywho, uh, we obviously you're in a band time relapse. Have you had any shows lately? Uh, yeah, we actually played at this really rich guy's house down in the Philadelphia area for uh, his annual business party that we play every year. Um, and uh, we played in his backyard. There's a huge pool and like a terrace and he, a gazebo and he got bartenders and stuff. So that's always really fun uh, to see what life would be like if I was not a musician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's got a big house. It's near Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Down by that area, like North of the city. Do you know what he does? Uh, he works, he, he coordinates like the healthcare for like the East coast of uh, the company that he works for. Oh, I think it's a bank. I was going to say, I thought you were going to be like money stuff. So yeah. Yeah, definitely financial stuff. Yep. That's how it goes. Well, good for him. I'm sure it's terrible for the planet. So um, yeah, he's a nice guy. (laughs) Yeah. So have you, uh, were people getting hammered at this party? What was the vibe? Um, well, this one was a little more low key. There were probably only like 30 people there, but we played a, a business party that he had there one time and there were like, uh, not a hundred people, uh, maybe like 60 to 70, like seven groups of like 10 people, like around the back of his property. They're all fit in his backyard comfortably. He had his wedding back there. We played at his wedding. Uh, we played while he was walking down the aisle. So that was cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been, we've been playing shows for this guy for the last like six years um so we've gotten pretty close with him yeah weird relationship i know no that's awesome i mean yeah well it sounds weird but like artists throughout history have needed benefactors and you know to to produce great art um you're usually not rich i mean uh dolly was like famous for like whoring himself out like he he got made money. <laughs> he would just like do anything he was yeah. like you oh you want a commercial I'll do a commercial oh you want me to do a photograph set I'll do a photograph set he was like anything and um, you know there's there's an art to that yeah he just wanted to be out there yeah totally but it led to like a lot of you know a lot of misses eh, when you're less selective but every art needs its patron you know you need your yeah. medi your medicis yeah and uh, it's funny because this guy is he's super into music. Um, and like whenever we're not playing, like in between our sets, he'll play music on his sound system. And he's had like, I know you love dispatch. He had dispatch on there. Um, like Tom Petty and like Zeppelin and like the cool old, older stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has, he has good taste in music. So I guess that's why he likes us. Uh, can you describe your music and your band time relapse? Uh, well, we have a wide variety of stuff. Uh, we have everything from super psychedelic, like instrumental stuff where you're not even sure what instruments are being played uh down to fairly normal singer songwriter kind of stuff Uh, i try to make the riffs of my songs a little bit more complex um just because i enjoy doing that 
Uh, and everybody plays chords, so I want to do something that doesn't involve normal chords because it's been done a million times, so I'll try something else. Uh, but I love doing instrumental stuff, playing drums, playing bass, piano, and all that stuff. Uh, so it's a huge, wide, wide variety of different things uh, with uh, a message of positivity, I think. Nice. And it's, is it, it's just you and Anthony or any other members or, or people coming in and out? Yeah, we work with a drummer, uh, Jacob Cadell, out of Harrisburg. Uh, he's honestly one of the craziest prog drummers I've ever seen in my life. And uh, I'm lucky enough to have played with him for the last, like, five years. Uh, and when we do our live instrumental trio, it's me on bass, Anthony on electric guitar, and Jacob on drums. And that's just improv for, like, an hour of just heavy, uh, psychedelic, complex riffs and uh, playing off each other. And we never know what we're going to play. And it's, it's very, a very cool thing. That, that sounds cool. Yeah. Um, do you, uh, do you know if your area of the country is like good for local and regional music? I remember going to college in Pennsylvania thinking it was pretty good and obviously you're close to New York. So like you've mentioned, so what do you think about that? I think that the uh, community that we've cultured around the central PA area since we started doing the three civil has exploded. Um, like the Philly area has exploded with a lot of good music and it's cool because like I'm, I know so many of the people who are doing big things like with uh, my friends out of the beard space who run the festival beard fest in New Jersey. Um, and mm -hmm. they get like thousands of people there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, out of the beard space is a I think they're like 10 people, super prog band um, that also has uh, yeah, also has cool vocals that are more like light and spacey. Um, so they'll have like heavy prog prog parts and then like drop it down real light. And like have some real simple stuff and have the, the guy singing and then go back into like crazy, you know, Humphrey's like like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then they have like, like seven or eight different offshoot bands of all the members just having side projects. Um, so that's a really cool uh, scene to be around. Um, hmm. Nice. But uh, yeah, but, but uh, the music community in this area has definitely increased and become closer uh since the three festivals started and all these smaller independent festivals beard fest and there's peace of mind festival that's been going on for like nine years so we got a great festival scene here in central pa that's cool yeah people, yeah. Uh, people want to do something in the summer and want a, a community to to get around so i mean that's like one of the first words you mentioned was community so it's pretty cool yeah and it's so funny because like i'm more of an indoor boy i enjoy being inside my house with my stuff like with my cats and just hanging out, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so it's funny that I spend literally the entire weekend of the festival is just like sleeping in my car and at the gate, checking people in and just mm -hmm. outdoors for like literally five days straight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure things get rowdy when you're, you have a festival and you, when you run three festivals a year, but I'm wondering like while you're on stage, has anybody ever just like, spilled a full beer like in your fucking mug while you're riffing out or something like that totally hammered we've definitely had people spill beers close to our equipment um and maybe on a speaker or two but not not on the electronics thankfully we, we keep that under pretty close wraps because we only have one of everything and we can't afford to buy more so you got to be pretty careful with the things that matter but um i mean i've had people knock mic stands into the equipment into the drum set you know what i mean like just like dance too far forward and just slam a mic stand and have the mic slam to the ground um oh my god one time we were, we were playing a festival probably five years ago uh in a, this big garage 
And we had just bought this brand new vocal mic, a really nice Sennheiser. It was like, uh, like a few hundred dollars, which is, you know, a good amount for, a if you're buying like a normal, like SM 57 or SM 58, which is like a normal vocal mic, they're like 70 bucks. So this was like several hundred dollars to give you some kind of reference point. Um, so it's literally like the first or second show we're using it with. And some girl steps on the mic cable and the way that she stepped, it just pulled the whole mic stand down and the mic slammed into the concrete ground so forcefully, like accelerated by this girl stepping on it like a fucking gas pedal. Oh my God, it hit the ground so hard and my heart exploded, but it turned out to be okay. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> geez. So yeah. that's obviously why you got into music for all those those lovely moments <laughs> those heart exploding moments yeah um why why did you want to get into music when did you decide that music was going to be your life it was totally accidental uh i mean i've always played music from once and i was like six years old and got started on piano it's like six or seven um and then i got into guitar and and drums and bass and all that kind of stuff but it all just kind of happened without me realizing it was happening and I was just towards the end of college and I still had no idea what I wanted to do. And I just realized that I had just been, I had just been sitting in my room playing guitar for the last like 10 years. And I was like, wait, maybe I was doing that for a reason. Um, and then I, uh, I hooked up with Anthony and we started playing. He had access to the Penn State music studio because he was a music major. So it was like a, you know, a million dollar studio that we could just use whenever we wanted at all hours of the night. It was open 24 hours a day. Uh, you just had to like rent the time so we could go in literally whenever we want record on a million dollars worth of equipment and then just take the audio files and do whatever we wanted with them, which is an insane opportunity to have. So we just did that. And then, um, he was kind of the motor behind getting time relapse started. He was like, let's fucking rent a house out and record an album. So for no reason at all, we landed on the, it looked on a map and landed on Stroudsburg. It was kind of centrally located between New York and Pennsylvania or and uh, Philadelphia, Harrisburg, just kind of in the middle of everything. So um, we rented a place there, got jobs as uh, servers at Red Lobster, recorded our album in the basement, and then uh, that was pretty much how it started. It was all it all kind of fly by the seat of our pants. That's cool. So you uh, you were lazy and and uh, just had to do it. pretty much no i like that it's very nice was it anthony's like dream like what or did he just be like i don't i don't have a job so let's let's make it (laughs) no i mean we were just getting so much good feedback from when we were playing you know at like jamaica junction at penn state oh we would play there yeah name dropping name dropping yeah yeah we we would play we played some shows in some people's places and everyone was just giving us they were like dude you guys are amazing like you gotta you gotta pursue it so yeah, we kind of cool. got together and we're like, can we do this? And we kind of laid it all out as much as you can when you're 23 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just like, let's just do it. That's awesome. And here, here we are. Um, do you like any other uh, kinds of art, like, like paintings or poetry or theater? Or do you like slam poetry? Are you one of these slam poets? <laughs> Slam poetry <laughs> being a big comeback. I don't know if you know that. I like any art that makes me interested. You know what Wait, I mean? Like if it's, if it's a, didn't we go to a museum together? Yeah, the the museum of uh, like modern art, the jazz exhibit. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. 
Um, I don't remember the specifics of it, but it was really stimulating. I thought the the content. Yeah, the, remember the one uh, real dark room that we went into, and they were playing that movie of the guy like sitting on the chair. That sounds I can't like remember a what it was, but it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it was so like ridiculous. It was just a guy orgy. sitting on a chair, and then somebody else came in, sat on the chair. Yeah, it's an orgy. Yeah. But um, no, it was that. Yeah, it was kind of multimedia and and uh, just interesting. Um, the I not remembering the specifics reminds me of a quote that I keep telling people, so I might as well say it fucking here. But um, I forget it because I can't remember the specifics. Yes, exactly. Um, now it's well, I can't remember whether it's Maya Angelou or Alice Walker, but it the quote is. Something like uh, people will always forget what you say, and they'll always forget what you do, but they'll never for they'll always remember how they make you feel. Yes, how you make them feel. I totally is that agree. Eleanor Roosevelt. No, I don't know. <laughs> I thought you said I thought you said I can't remember if it's Maya Angelou or Alice Cooper. <laughs> it was it was Alice Cooper. I actually might yeah. have said Alice Cooper. I think right after you said "Feed My Frankenstein," he said that quote. <laughs> then he ate a yeah. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say he ate a bat, but that was Ozzy Osbourne, I think. Yeah, it was Ozzy. Um, he thought it was fake in his defense. It was my Angelou. It's there's people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. See, that's why I'm not a writer. I'm just an idiot who records himself, um, and why she oh, was yeah. the, one of the best writers in in human history. So there you have it, sir. Uh, people will never forget how you made yeah. them feel, and going to that museum made me feel. Well, great. I think I think that I think that you're. I think that you're a great speaker and I feel the opposite way about myself. I think that I'm a good writer, but not a great speaker. So I feel like you're like, it's kind of one or the other generally, unless you're a, a super freak. I guess so. The other day at dinner, I was saying I never, or I rarely say the perfect thing, but I will always say a thing. I mean, I'm very forward. So, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get it out there one way or another. It's not going to be, Always, I may not agree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Yeah, speaking of which, you you fucking force fed me some Jordan Peterson. Um, yeah, you like those philosophy lectures, my dude. Yeah, no, if I took a philosophy class in Toronto and I had that dude, I'd be like, oh, this is a white dude pontificating. Like, this is exactly what I need right now. Um, and I love he's, su- he's super good at interpreting. Um, it was very, there was one sentence that like real, the, the part about when you, when you, um, when part of yourself, like you have to let part of yourself die if you're going to learn something new. And I thought that was a great, um, kind of phrase. Um, but yeah, I love young and Freud. And so Jordan Peterson is a, a great philosophy professor or a fine philosophy professor, but He's not a law professor and uh, he just makes a buffoon out of himself with his, his legal stance, um, which is unfounded. It makes no sense. But anyway, it was a great, I, I listened to more than what you made me listen to. So it was, it was, yeah, I submit, I submit to you, sir. That was a worthy, <laughs> exchange, a worthy exchange of, of YouTube requirements or requests. Yeah. I like, I like when he said that, I like when he said that you have to, you have to let childhood die before you can be an adult. Yeah, that's or whatever he that's, said about that. 
That's fine. Yeah, that, well, and that's a great quote. And that is exactly the Jordan Peterson worldview. Like he's so black and white and he's so, stand up straight, young man. Well, clean your room. It's so like, you know, like 50s dad. Like you need, you need to kill the child inside of you. <laughs> it's like, what? Dude, <laughs> he's like, like clearly this dude has had some. Well, that's that that that's not that's not his opinion. That's him interpreting young. I know, I know, it's good. Um, no, that's why I, yeah. said, I think he's a great. Yeah, I think he's a great lecturer for that topic. We've talked way yeah much about him. Hey, he can go eat fucking his all meat. <laughs> that motherfucker. Um, he's got autoimmune problems. Yeah, don't we? Don't we all, sir? It's 2019. We all have fucking <laughs> autoimmune problems. Get on, get on. Yeah, board. we all have autoimmune true. problems. Yeah. Get on with it. I've had autoimmune problems before. It was fucking cool. Now I, <laughs> I, I just didn't know it. I knew. I started knowing it when it was cool. Anywho. Yeah. Yep. Uh, random question, sir. Yeah. Did you? I, I know you're you're uh, of the a member of the tribe. And I'm wondering, did you go to synagogue growing up or did you go to church? Uh, what was that, that institutional religion like for you? Well, I am Samoan, as you know. Right, right. The so. Samoan Jews, everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. A member of the no, Samoan we... Jewish tribe. <laughs> the Rock is my uh, cousin's nephew. But um, okay. I, I, I did go to synagogue growing up. Not like every weekend. We would just go for the holidays. And I, I did go to Hebrew school. Um, I would go, was it every Tuesday? I think it was like every Tuesday after school, I'd go to Hebrew school. And I mean, it was more just like a place to goof off with like another group of friends than it was anything super serious at any time for me. Um, but definitely dressed up and went to like services for uh, holidays and sat in like the Jewatorium and listen to the rabbi. Ate <laughs> from was, the Jewateria. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there would always be like snacks and cakes and cookies afterwards in this other room. It was great. Uh, played on the jungle gym, Jew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, after the services, the last thing you say is, and in the, our, our, uh, our rabbi was actually South African. He was a South African white guy. And he had a British accent like that's because his family, like, was you know whatever but um so he had, he was he was cool to listen to because he was just like a it was like you know Elon Musk's accent but like even more even more english sounding dude south african um, is such an interesting accent charlie's theron and uh she's a real one and then a fake one is matt damon in the uh i think it's invictus i heard of the movie had not seen it dude he has the most amazing south african accent from what i've heard it's been confirmed but um like it's good or it's like so bad it's good no it's like really good like he uh he kind of nailed it nice he is matt damon yep and then um i i don't know if uh what is his name claw the ulysses claw the the criminal from black panther you don't watch avengers movies anyway no, I honestly, I, I started watching Black Panther and I just couldn't do it. <laughs> just Black Panther. Okay, fine. I just, I just, I'm not a fan of superhero movies. I just think they're all too cheesy. I just think they're all for kids. Like, it's just, it's just too much for me. I can't do it. Oh, that's so funny. How far yeah. in did he get? Um, uh, I honestly think I fell asleep after like 35 minutes. It was late at night. Maybe I just wasn't primed. 
to watch like a long movie. At least you You got in in 35 minutes. I mean, I'm not going to, if you said 35 seconds, I would have been like, dude, (laughs) but at least 37 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to fucking force feed you. Yeah. More than I will watch of Jordan Peterson. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) I respect, you know, I respect the the effort that everybody put in. Good job guys. So what was your parent? So like, did your parents talk about Judaism? Did they talk about like their spirituality or their relationship to God at home? We never, ever talked about that. It was always just the holidays. You know what I mean? And like everybody, I don't think ever once in my life, either one of my parents said anything about God in everyday life. I don't think that ever happened. Um, So, I mean, you know, like my mom liked going to synagogue. She was, she was at one point president of like the sisterhood there, but like the president is like, there's a new one every year. And it's just like, kind of like whoever the people elect is like the popular vote. So it's all in like, like good spirits. Like the president is just like who coordinates everything. Everybody likes her. So like my mom was the president of that one year. And it's just like the, all like the moms of the synagogue would get together and like do fundraisers and stuff like that. So that was cool for her. So this was, Um, I'm guessing like a, I don't, is it called reform Judaism or? Yeah, I guess it's reform. Very like not strict. Right, I like did your not... Torah portion wasn't like an hour and a half long for your bar mitzvah, right? No, it was. It no, definitely not. It was definitely like at least like a few minutes. <laughs> like reading out of this, actually reading out of the Torah, it's probably a few minutes Bro. of like chanting in Hebrew. Bro, have you ever been to one of those conservative ones? Um, I'm sure I have, but I just don't remember. Dude, I like that's how scarring it was at from 13 years old. 20 years later, I still remember the uh, the the just the three hours that we were in the temple. It was like interesting. Like I'm yeah. very interested in culture, and I'm actually happy. I yeah, did but they can get long. Yeah, like I'm happy I did it once because I didn't go to a couple of my other friends who were also. I just skipped it. Um, yeah, they were all course. like good call, like back to back weeks. And after the first back to back bar mitzvahs, I was such a little prick back then. Jesus Christ. I was always a prick. I feel like I've been a prick since until yesterday, but anyway, um, (laughs) speaking of me being a prick and religion, I'm essentially at the point where I will just willfully at the beginning of a conversation, tell anyone that I think that religion is bad. And just the other day I was having a conversation with a nice Christian gentleman and I was like, ah, that's no good. The, the Christianity part. And I was just like, yeah, Christianity is not a good thing. Well, I, th- I don't think I said that. I think I said religion is not a good thing. I think I just punched him in the face. I think that's what happened. <laughs> no, I, I, I just said that. I slapped I'm, him. It was just a little, a little slap, just the fingertips. I don't think like, I, I mean, I didn't say that. I, I, was, I told him that like, I think all religions are bad. Um, and I'm a Buddhist, so I ascribe to a, a religion and I think that religious institutions are, are bad. And I was like, I have, I think if you have a, like having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which Christians like to hear, I think is, can be a wonderful thing and spirituality and having a personal relationship with God and thinking about like all that stuff and having like a set of beliefs that like, if you believe Jesus is like, your prophet, the prophet, that's fine. And if you think Mohammed is like, that's fine. But when it gets institutionalized, um, spirituality becomes religion and 
you start when, when it's just you and you're talking, you're meeting somebody else uh, and they disagree on who the best prophet is. It's like more, it's okay. It's better than if you're with a hundred thousand people and you confront another hundred thousand people who, who believe in the different prophet. Um, because at that point it becomes like more human nature and, and I guess more crowd psychology getting back to young tribal. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And all of our worst instincts come out and the patriarchy comes out, um, and, and the murder and the war. And it's just not what any like Christian, uh, philosophy would want or any Muslim philosophy or any Buddhist philosophy, but it happens. And like, that's why it's bad. So that's what I tell them. Like, that's why Christianity is bad. And that's why Buddhism is bad. Like, and you, and this guy was like, you're him and his wife were like, Oh, the wars, like all the people who have been, all the millions who have been murdered in the name of, of religion. Well, yeah. So it's a shame. It's a damn shame, sir. But I'm at the point where I just, I just say that now openly. Yeah. Do you think that if people weren't killed in the name of religion, they just would have been killed in the name of something else like natural resources? Mm -hmm. Um, no, not, no, um, I don't think so. I think that people would, yeah, everybody, you know, you're right. Everybody dies. So nobody would be live, live forever. Um, but yeah, eventually something's going to cut you down, but like murdering somebody else is not only bad for the person, obviously it's bad for the person who gets murdered, but like, it's not fucking great shakes for the dude having to murder you, you know? So it's kind of a lose, lose situation. If you ask AJ over here. So if you ask AJ, I've never murdered anyone. So like, yeah, like the Spanish flu fucking sucks, but it's better than goddamn trench warfare in world war one. I, I, I have to believe that. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I would think so. So I'm, yeah, I'm sure you, you agree. Um, oh, yeah, I would have to agree. Mm-hmm. Did you have to go to a lot of bar and bot mitzvahs? Oh yeah, it was, it was nonstop for a couple of years there <laughs> when I was like, like 2000, 2001, that was primetime bar about mitzvah years. She was popping. My bar mitzvah was the shit though. My theme was the Simpsons. I argued with my mom for like six months to let me make my theme, the Simpsons. So we, nice. we went to this, um, this factory that makes these big like styrofoam cutouts. And we had, there were probably, 15 to 20 tables like round tables that everybody sat out at the party afterwards Uh and i got a simpsons character cut out of like the styrofoam cardboard for every single like a 3d character for every single table um so that was wow fucking awesome yeah 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 i was the coolest 13 year old in town that day well i bet well that's the that's the whole thing about the bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah is like you are the coolest 13 year old that day and i thought i was like a sweet 16 you know yeah, it's like a sweet 16, but for 13-year-old Jewish kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, the quinceanera is also uh, there as well. There's the the debutante ball. Um, debutante. So, what's that you say? Uh, I was just saying debutante. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, anywho... That uh yeah, it was always fun and yeah, the the being the most popular kid 
is uh is always enticing i never wanted like one of those for myself i was like can i just pocket the cash like whatever it would take to throw this thing just hand it to me and they'd be like no i'm sure they would but anywho yeah i made about it i made about eight thousand dollars uh that's yeah that's what you should do i mean that's what you got to collect man i mean i i threw into the coffers well of course the parents did so yes of course yeah i was just getting checks writing checks like um i don't even know like what but i remember afterwards i went back to my house with all my friends to like open up the all the like the presents and just like have a good time. That's when Pokemon cards were really huge when I was 13 in the year 2000. It was January 22nd, 2000, my 13th birthday. So, you know, the turn, the turn of the millennium, shit was crazy back then. <laughs> um, <laughs> people were wearing Junko jeans and shit. But um, we went back to my house and I just remember opening up all the presents and opening up all the cards and just stacking the checks up. Just stacking them up, check after check. A hundred bucks, a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, two hundred bucks. It was crazy, um, and I got like Pokemon cards. I remember my uh, my friend got me a cassette of Britney Spears' "Baby One More Time." <laughs> yeah, I got that on cassette for my thirteenth birthday. Wow, nice. Yeah, so it gives you a nice timestamp there. Great timestamp. Thank you. For yeah, the time. You're welcome. You welcome. And I was gonna ask you, like, were, was there any songs or music that you associate with the bar mitzvah experience? And you just told me one. Do you have any other my, songs that, like, you remember, like, getting fucking down to with bar mitzvah season, being like, "This is my jam." I remember a cha 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 slide. That was a big one. Okay. Slide to the left. I I believe. See, that was a long time ago. I'm trying to think. All the years kind of run together with the hits. The Macarena was like the 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 mid to late '90s, so that was probably still played at my bar mitzvah. Yeah, I guess I guess that would <laughs> the cha cha slide. Yeah, uh, um, I think that um, that the thong song was big. Oh wow, that is. Yeah, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna look up. I'm gonna look up party hits from the year 2000. Let's see what we got here. We need like a. We need like a um, an internet guy to look up stuff for us. All the ladies know <laughs> the thong song. Classic. Not sure if it would be very me you know, too friendly, but but, but regardless, <laughs> that is uh, that's a classic. Check it out. So very nice. Um, so any other bar mitzvah thoughts? Uh, oh yeah, Cha Cha Slide was big in two thousand. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the cha cha slide. Yeah, I was just I'm just looking up the year. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, TLC's uh, "Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls" was was mine. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, another one here. How about "Smooth" Santana featuring Rob Thomas? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, I do. Rob Thomas uh, toured with Santana and Dave Matthews Band, and I got to see them open, and I got to shake Rob Thomas's hand, and he signed my ticket um, when uh, when we were like not backstage but side stage um, at, at Giant Stadium before it filled in for the Dave Matthews concert. Name dropping. Oh. Yeah, I know my Rob Tom. Apparently, Rob Thomas. Oh, he was in Always Sunny in Philadelphia, right? With Sinbad. Oh, that with Sinbad. Yeah, that episode was amazing. Yeah, actually, I think it was my. Uh, it was Mike who got his ticket signed, and I simply 
shook the hand. I think, I don't know. Back then I was still getting things signed. I remember I got Rafael Palmero's signature signed classic steroid um, victim. I will say victim of the steroid era. (laughs) Hot take. Yep. Uh, yeah, famous baseball player who's now like shriveled to like ninety pounds and looks like he overcame uh, something awful. So, what um, happens? But happens. I guess he looks like a deflated balloon now. So, yeah, so that's how she goes, bud. Anywho, yes, yeah, yes. I uh, I went camping recently, or a couple times recently. And that's all I have to say about and that's that. It, and that's all. And that's camping uh, corner. <laughs> that's camping. Woo! No, it was, it, was, uh, it was a delight. And how I do here in Colorado um, <laughs> is, is I, I camp uh, overnight. And then in the morning, I go to the library uh, in Vail or wherever I may be and do my work for the day. And then after work, I go on a hike and then I go back to my campsite. So it's pretty awesome. I can, I can do it for like a few days. Um, one of the benefits of working remotely, but on my last trip, I was off of route 24 in between Minturn and Leadville for the, for those locals. <laughs> I just a little local. Good old Minturn. Anyway, the fucking mountains near Vail. Um, and I got a great camping site and I saw two not one but two moose i want to say mooses but two moose meese. me i also want to say meese thank you yeah I'm glad you're welcome. somebody else has a, s- some sanity in this world yeah so i saw two meese uh in the field because i my tent and campsite was overlooking a big field and then a, 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 a valley in a valley and then a mountain way in the background but the field was kind of like marshy and they like to graze there and I think it was two females. I don't think it was, I don't think it was two kids because it didn't have antlers or a rack. Um, so super afraid of like a super aggressive parent or mate coming after me, depending, but all good, not mating season. And I don't think they were kids. So it was amazing. They were just chilling and they're like big and giant, but somehow like graceful. Yeah. They were just plodding around eating. And I, I would, like whistle at them and they would turn their head because I was trying to get a good video because I'm an asshole. I'm sorry. I ruined nature. <laughs> but uh, That was cool. Right. And then on my hike earlier that day, on the way back from my hike, I'm driving and something runs across the, the road. I'm like, what the fuck is that? I slam on the brakes and quickly I realize, oh my God, that is a giant porcupine. And Oh, shit it probably had a dome like of like a, a three foot like radius kind of thing, maybe a four foot radius. It was just this giant dome. It was adorable looking. I later learned that um, porcupines are really docile. And uh, I didn't get near it because I didn't know they were docile at the time, but it looked very curious and super chill. And, half the quills on its back where it seemed missing and regrowing. So something probably tried to get it, but it was awesome, man. I got within five feet of it. Once I got out of the car. That's cool. Yeah. Um, there's still, snow. while you were, while you were just talking, while you were just talking, a family of deer just walked through my backyard. Oh, 
I love deer, man. Deer are, are something else. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. I was just thinking, what would happen if, if animals grew out of the ground like plants? That, that would be something else, man. That goes back to our favorite <laughs> conversation. One of the five movies we always talk about, Annihilation. Kind of like that. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's an interesting thought. Well, there are... Is it sponges? Sea turtles. Well, no, they don't grow out of the ground. They're sea turtles. <laughs> yes, they. I know there are. Uh, there's parrots. Like, yeah, I know there are sea turtles. <laughs> um, they bury their eggs underground and then they hatch and then come out. Yeah, but there's like sea anemones or or sea urchins or something that like an animal that is super simple and just like attaches itself to things and just like filters. It's a filter feeder. Um, it's pretty much like one of the simplest animals. Uh, but so that's kind of like that. Be- oh, also, Jealous. Uh, coral. Coral's an animal, right? Yeah, but I mean more like bears and lions and stuff. Yeah, I know what you meant. <laughs> no, that would be amazing. How can I make this more boring? Like, I, yeah, I grow, I grow corn on my, on my farm. I'm a, a corn farmer. Uh, you know, work for one of the big guys. And zebras. And so what do you, what do you grow, sir? Oh, you grow lions? Oh, you said and zebras, yeah. Yeah, I, I crop rotate. <laughs> yeah. Corn in the spring, and in the winter I do zebras. Yeah, that would be... Uh, zebras, of course. Lee, I love your creativity. You uh, you keep working on that music. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quit your day job, and your day job is imagining imaginary situations. Ah, shit. Well, then. Damn it. Well, then. Oh, boy. Then don't quit your night job, sir. <laughs> That's also my night job. It's a double shift. Anywho. So can I give you a, can I give you a random uh, discovery that I made? Give me the random discovery. So I've been uh, educating myself a lot on uh, psychedelics, not because I've done them anytime recently, just on like the, like DMT and like all that stuff. And if it's really a, uh, a gateway for your consciousness to another dimension, or if it's just inside your head. Yeah. But um, an, an, what, a question only the internet can answer. Of course. Um, so one pattern that I was made aware of is that all throughout history and like the Amazon societies and like the Mayans and all that stuff, as soon as they centered their culture around these psychedelics, they started sacrificing people by the tens of thousands. So like, what did these cultures learn in these psychedelic realms that made them think that sacrificing these souls by the, literally the tens of thousands in the case of the Mayans uh, was the answer. You're saying every society? Every single society who is in, in the past, all the non-existent ones anyway, who have like tried to harness the power of psychedelics in their everyday lives have always ended up uh, going to human sacrifice. Well, good. I'm looking forward to our, our eventual come up and no, that's so weird. Uh, I've never heard of that, but okay. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that a crazy pattern that I was never aware of either? I, that that's, it, it has to be fact. Um, let me check this out. Let's just, what, how do you, yeah, doesn't love, that kind of freak, doesn't that kind of freak you out? I love, um, Okay, so I love, first of all, I love Google autocomplete, so I can type in psychedelics, human, and the autocomplete has evolution, psychedelics and human consciousness, psychedelics and human rights. 
but I, I, I also love when you get a question where you're like, how do I phrase this as a Google query? So psychedelics, human sacrifice. Let's see yep. what we got here. Aztecs took psilocybin, but also committed human sacrifice. Oh, Reddit. That's like, Reddit's pretty much the National Institute of Health as far as I'm concerned. Um, I just don't understand how to use it. Every time I'm on Reddit, I'm just like, I just don't know what, I don't understand what I'm supposed to like be doing. I love, I, well, this one, dmt-nexus.me, which is where I get most of my scientific info, uh, mostly on the supplement side. So this is a little out of their Monsters, thing. But dmt-nexus.me uh, says, uh, according to the, the Google headline, they ate mushrooms and yet dot, 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 they killed kids. Makes you wonder, dot, dot, dot. So dot, dot, dot. I can only assume. Read between that, the dots. Well, listen, that's only one example. I want to see some other ex examples, but I'm, I'm ready to connect. Let's see some other examples here. I mean, I'm, I, then there's only one answer for me, Lee, and that's human sacrifice because yep. I don't know what the alternative would, what is the alternative? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't think there is an alternative. I think that's the, I would say we, we don't have any other option, but we don't have one option. We have to human sacrifice. If, <laughs> I, I guess the, I guess the alternative would be loving your children and helping them have a happy long life. Oh, and also do psychedelics? Is that an option? Yeah, maybe. Okay. I thought it was a one or the other. If it's <laughs> okay, let's each other, take 20 grams of mushrooms, and we'll see if we sacrifice each other or if we love each other unconditionally. Well, so are you going to take them or not? Like, what, what, what's the end game here? Just to know more or to be I guess. on something? Or? I guess just to know more. Is that the end game to life? For some people, but not for not for a lot of people. That's for sure. A lot of people, that is not the end game. A lot of people don't care about understanding life. I'm wondering, is your end game to just do some psilocybin because it's legal now in Denver? It's decriminalized, rather. Yeah, it's it's all happening. Yep, we got it. And they're going to be like instances of car accidents have sharply risen since the legalization of magic mushrooms. <laughs> no, but I think weed has done its fair part. Like weed tourism. I mean, there's people that drive from neighboring states to, to stock up on their stash. Like, wouldn't you, if you were in the middle of Kansas and life sucked, you needed weed? I, what do you think? Your fucking dealers yeah, were I think they're not this? Oh my God. I, I think they're not taking into account the, the increase in the amount of people who are in the area. So of course there's going to be more accidents. There's out-of-towners. Uh, there are a lot of people moving to Denver, uh, so th those out-of-towners, but then, then the, the vacationing out-of-towners, the weed tourists, and everyone's getting high and driving on fucking roads they don't know about. Um, most of them aren't getting high and driving, but it's my fun. People yeah. drive crazy here, um, so it's my fun. Yeah. People drive crazy everywhere. Driving's probably gotten worse because of texting like around the country, so yeah yes definitely right but i mean if they if they just legalize weed everywhere then they wouldn't have to worry about people going so many different places to get it and they could just get it where they are and just know where they are at all times oh yeah having it delivered is the safest fucking thing and not not buying it from the street where it could be laced as people get, uh, stupidly thought about weed but you know real drugs can get laced like yeah. heroin uh with fentanyl. Yeah. or just be really shitty and then you're just like god damn it i just wasted 50 bucks dude the prohibition um, stance on drugs is so dumb because we know what happened with prohibition in the thirties. I mean, people don't know history, but people died because 
you would have bad hooch, you know? Um, people would go blind. Yeah, they could go blind. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people's stills would explode, right? Um, yeah. Moonshiners. Like, that sounds a lot like meth, <laughs> right? And heroin. So, like, clearly when you make something illegal, people don't stop doing Like, you made it cooler, first of all. You made it fucking awesome, by making it a yeah, yeah. good fucking job. That's why all the tobacco companies want to change the age to 21. They're like, sure, fuck yeah, change it to 41. Fuck it. Make it the coolest thing ever. Um, so yep. that doesn't deter people. And, uh, and then also when it's not legal, you don't have manufacturers making it who are regulated. You have street level people and that's when people die. So anywho, fucking. Drunk. Yeah. Well, here's, another, here's a question for you. Yeah. So we're in our early thirties here. Would you say that 10 years ago you were a complete moron? Cause I would say that about myself 10 years ago. I'm so glad you brought this up. I thought, I also thought you were a complete moron. No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I, that's what's funny. I agree with you. This might be a self-esteem thing or I might've really been a dick. Um, I just feel like I've been a dick and an idiot since like, yes, until yesterday. I don't know if I mentioned that on the pod. But, yeah. But, I just so so to yeah. further to further investigate I'm sorry to further investigate that question so 10 years ago I'm 32 so 10 years ago I was 22 the voting age is eight the, the voting age is 18 mm -hmm. do you think that that's too young to be able to make lasting choices about the direction of our country no no not at all um no because people of all ages are can succumb to like emotions and um and i just i also think that the youth is going to be living the longest so like they deserve a say um and uh i don't yeah i i think that they should uh, i'm trying to think i'm trying to be reasonable about it and think if most young people were republican or if most or if i was republican and most young people like if young people didn't agree with me I'm trying to think like, would I, is that my bias? And is that why I'm saying 18 year olds should vote? Um, yeah. I think they're going to be around. A I think that the other, and we seem to be making bad decisions. So. Yeah. Do you think that I, I feel like when I was 18, I was extremely uninformed about the world. And I feel like I'm still am extremely uninformed about the world at 32. So, and, I, and also the fact that everybody matures and ages differently, even though the numbers are the same. Um, so that's just something I've been thinking about lately. I mean, is 18 too young? Like, if you say no, then okay. Is 17 too young? They say, well, no. is 16 too young? Like, where is the line and why is it where it is? Right. No, question. you're right. I mean, I think we've, I think it's been based on brain development because in the past it was so much younger, right? It was like you'd start, women would start having sex and getting married at like 12 or 13. Um, everything was just like rushed. I feel like, um, yeah. I, I want to believe that it's because of science. Um, but it's one of these last on the last pod, I talked about, uh, infrastructure that we're born into that I take for granted. And I think this is one of those things. It's an infrastructure thing. Like the, the drinking age, the voting age that I was born into that like, I, I take for granted. I assume it is based in something valid and well thought out. So I'm guess I, I would like to think it's because of science, but who the fuck knows? Maybe it's not, maybe you're right. 
Yeah. I mean, your, your impulsivity circuits don't like stop making you super impulsive until you get to like 25. That's when like your brain finishes developing the, the impulse stuff. Yeah. The, so, frontal, the frontal cortex, like the risk analysis. Yeah, center yeah. I've heard. So that doesn't stop until 25. Dude, I want to say we're like, probably both getting the science wrong, but I think you're, we're both right in that 20 when the brain development ends. But yes, yes, I agree. Yeah. We're in the neighborhood there. Yeah, no, I, I've heard that like multiple times about the, the brain development and the 25, um, the risk analysis thing, uh, specifically with like boys and men uh, and testosterone's a drug. Um, but the whole idea of, of government, the whole idea of like collectivism, and we talked also talked about getting uh, voter turnout up and being able to vote electronically. Like if, if you can mm-hmm. order stuff on Amazon, you should be able to vote on your phone. Um, yep. Uh, so this goes back to that, like the whole idea of a, a government is like, we need to, we need to get together in our, in our most reasonable states, whatever that may be. Um, and, and think about not what's best for us, but what's best for society as well as us. Um, and come to like some sort of consensus, you know? Um, and that's the whole idea of government is to like bring together all the stakeholders and, um, well, that's at least the idea of democracy. <laughs> so if you believe in democracy, then like you should have voter turnout, try and get voter turnout to 100% and then also have people, I don't know, as young as fucking 14. Honestly, most six-year-olds would probably agree with me. I don't think most six-year-olds, if Donald Trump had to try and win over six-year-olds, I don't think he'd do a great job, you know? Like, that's an interesting point. Do we want that? Is that is interesting. Is in a president? To have to win over six-year-olds um, or 14-year-olds. But I do know that like 14-year-olds or now 17 or 18-year-olds who um, were in park, the Parkland massacre like or any school shooting, they, I think, would want voting rights. Um, so, yeah, well, the, the th- yeah, I mean, you could exert political pressure in ways beyond voting. Unfortunately, in this country, most of that has to do with money. But you could like, you know, advocate and yep. be a volunteer lobbyist or whatever, uh, group together, do grassroots stuff. But that's a great question. I've never really, I've always just been like, yeah, of course, voting age, get it younger because I'm progressive. And throughout history, younger people have been more progressive. So I'd get more votes, essentially. But I got to think about that more. Yeah. Good question. I think the definition of, definition of a young person is so different now than it was when the country was founded. I mean, the founding fathers were all like in their late teens, early twenties, which is insane to think about. Mm, yeah. Um, like that blows my mind. You know what I mean? Like I'm 32 and I can't imagine doing that shit. And they were doing it, you know, while I was face planning on the floor of the fraternity, you know? Yeah. Think about how headstrong they were. Like we could start a country. <laughs> it's like yeah. us. Fuck you. Yeah. It's like us running a, running a, a, a rush program. We can run a country. We can run a country. Anyway. Yeah, we'll figure it out. That's crazy. That is crazy to think about. I didn't really think about that. I don't, I don't. Uh, well, let's, I got to look this up now. How fucking old was George Washington? He was born in 1732. So he was in his thirties when he was like, let's do Yeah, it. he was one of, he was, he, yeah, he was one of the older ones. So who, Madison? How, how old was Thomas Jefferson when he wrote the Declaration of Independence? Look that up. Uh, he was probably 30. 
Thomas Jefferson? Yeah. He was born in 1743. So, obviously, 1776 would be the date. So he was my age. And the same age as Jesus Christ when he died. So. There you go. There you go, man. Interesting. Tommy, Tommy Jeff. Um, there's no skeletons in his closet. I think he had a squeaky clean record, right? Nothing bad. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Hey, uh, Tom, your daughter's pretty tan, huh? Yeah, yeah, really tan. <laughs> or actually, rather, uh, rather uh, that young lady is is rather light skinned. Actually, that's weird. So. <laughs> so this says on on Google. It says, as it turns out, many founding fathers were younger than forty. Uh, with several qualifying as founding teenagers or 20-somethings. There were, of the, uh, of the 44 signers of the Declaration of Independence, more than a dozen of them were 35 or younger. That's so crazy. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a young goddamn country. I mean, they were all, you know, aristocrats. It's so, it's, um, so funny, like, the all, all men are created equal. It's like... Yeah, except for some of them. Right. And then even at that point, like I was watching, listening to watching civil rights um, uh, video clips from like the fifties and debates and stuff with these civil rights leaders and the, these civil rights men leaders, these men were still saying like freedom for all men, you know what I mean? All mankind. And for as progressive and as righteous as these civil rights people were, it's like, they didn't even think of women. I, I don't think like I, maybe they did, but in their speech, it's so weird how you can live in under oppression, you know, and not recognize that gender oppression. Crazy. Yeah. So it says here that Alexander Hamilton was 19 and James Madison was 25 in 1776. Um, yeah, that's, that's crazy. I, uh, I, I, I apparently everybody must see the Hamilton play, but there's an off-Broadway play from a, a, a dude who hates Hamilton, who's like satirizing it. Because apparently Madison wasn't all that, I mean, Hamilton wasn't all that great. But in the play or in the musical, they say apparently Hamilton didn't own slaves. So that's nice. That's nice of you, Hamilton. But yeah, it's crazy how morals change, how somebody who's progressive now, even 30 years from now, if you have the same ideas, I think they're going to be moderate or conservative. Like that's how things change over time. It seems like. So you said, you said Hamilton didn't own slaves. I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but I think he had to take care of slaves that were like his wife's family or something, or he inherited slaves, but. Uh, well, he was only 19, so he couldn't have been a landowner. So he, I don't think he had the opportunity to own slaves. And then in 1776, the, you don't think a 19-year-old could be a landowner back then? I don't know. Hamilton's, Hamilton was involved in the selling of slaves. It suggests that his position against slavery was not absolute. Besides marrying into a slaveholding family, Hamilton conducted transactions for the purchase and transfer of slaves on behalf of his in-laws and as part of his assignment in the Continental Army. Um, I, I think that, yeah, I think a lot of people regard Hamilton as as very progressive on that and like an abolitionist almost. And he may have been progressive at the time. Yeah. He was definitely not an abolitionist and like took part in it. 
Um, it might be like today, how I still buy electronics that are made by slave labor. I don't know what the comparison is, but he was definitely involved in slave labor. So, yeah, well, a lot of it is just we're ignorant of what products are made with slave labor and what isn't. There's no transparency, especially overseas. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading about these riots in, in like the industrial revolution in the U.S. or like more so around the turn of the 20th century, um, like the 19 aughts. Um, there were these riots that were mostly, a lot of them were mostly women and immigrants. Um, and immigrants have always been the ones with the shitty jobs. And actually, they're, they're the ones who are why we have unions in large part in this country, um, which is interesting. But there were a lot of riots in like Boston and stuff. And um, they were trying to unionize and uh, they would send in the cops and stuff. But I, uh, I don't remember where I was going with that, but it was, it was pretty crazy. The weed giveth and the weed taketh away. <laughs> Take, there you go. There it goes. Yep. See ya. Anyway, that was history corner. History is interesting. Know your history. History corner. Yes. Um, my cousin who's now 15, a couple years ago, he asked me like, why, why do you, why is it important to, to know this stuff? I was like, we were watching some crash course video on YouTube from like the beginning of civilization. It might've been the first video on, on history, but, um, he was like, why do we need to, why do you need to know this? And, uh, you know, I went into my whole dumb, I was like, Oh, well, 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 I'm so glad you asked. So that, that really excited me. So I went into a dumb diatribe about why it's important. No, but I think that's, I mean, that's a good question for a kid to ask, but I don't think that most people realize like how real reality is like history. Like this is, these are things that happened in the present of someone else's time. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the now of then. And it's like the same exact thing. Like imagine it happening like to you or around you, like, it's the same thing. So like, you got to know what's happened. Like it only happened once. And if you forget it, it's gone forever and you'll never know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at being so knowledgeable and like being so old, you for, I forget like the simple things, like why is this even important? Um, I haven't thought yeah. about that in a long time. So that was fun for me to think about, but, and also like to a kid, you don't know, you might not know a lot of cliches yet. And so I told him like, there's a famous quote uh, that goes something like those who don't understand history are destined to repeat it or whatever. Yep. So it's like, yeah, you gotta know what the fuck goes down. Like 30, like 30 years ago, 40 years. Like I have to argue with my parents and my, my relatives about like what tax policy was like in the seventies. And it's like, how do you, if you don't understand what tax policy was like in the forties, fifties, sixties, and seventies, like you won't understand why things are fucked up today. So like pretending you have like knowing you don't know that and still being like, but I have this strong opinion. It's like, all right, fine. This goes back to the maximized voting. It's like, fine, you're allowed to vote, like go vote, but like you're an idiot. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, our history is like your, your memory of your own life. You know what I mean? Like you go, you wake up every day and you live your life using the experiences that you've had on every other day that you woke up for however long you've been alive. And just like that for society and the, mm -hmm. our society's history is our collective memory. And if you get, if you can't remember what happened yesterday, you're not going to have any idea what's going on the next day. So you got to know what, what happened in your history. Yeah. 
for sure, dude. Know your history. So next time I see my now my cousin who's now fifteen, I will cram some some history down his throat. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, that was history corner. Should we move on to Jim Corner? Oh, who's Jim? Jim is uh, this really rude person who lives. Uh, no, he. The gym is the place where I go lift weights and run on the treadmill. But uh, sounds erotic. Do you have any gym stories? I got a couple gymnasium anecdotes. Oh, gym stories! Gym stories. Uh, the other day, I watched a guy spill his entire water bottle on the floor and then just walk away like it never happened. Oh man! <laughs> oh, what a fucking prick! Yeah, and then I saw, and then I watched the a guy who worked there come over and just like look around and be like come on man <laughs> and then like he went just like like lackadaisically got like a mop and was just like real pissed off like nobody's even gonna tell me that they did this like come on yeah i would like i like the optimist in me i was like maybe he was walking to find somebody but probably nope. not. he's probably doing his nope. dumb squats Ugh. yep so that's annoying screw that guy yeah jesus <laughs> uh, Jesus. Yeah. So I I uh I don't have a gym story, but this is gym related, it's health related. Um a last on the last on the last pod. On the last unnecessary podcast, I talked about uh this percussion massager. Do you remember me mentioning this? Oh, I'm not sure. Go on. So it's like something that costs five hundred dollars or something and uh, professional athletes use it and, and trainers uh, have it. And it's this percussion massager that is, is incredibly violent, if you will. Is it like the jackhammer? It looks like a jackhammer with a ball in the end. Yes, exactly. Things? You made, you made yeah. some pretty graphic remarks. I'll have, you know, you made, some, <laughs> uh, I would say regrettable remarks, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was gold. It's gold, Jerry. Um, Go. but, uh, yeah, so with that in mind, like you said, it's essentially <clears throat> like a power tool with a fucking head on it that's kind of foamy. And and so I found a video on YouTube that literally takes a power tool and converts it with uh, these foamy heads into the exact percussion massager that I wanted. But instead of $550, I spent $60. So yay. So, nice. Yeah. I bought a jigsaw. <laughs> I bought an electric <laughs> jigsaw and it's like probably heavier and it's definitely much bigger than the, uh, than the $550 one, but fuck it's, it's yeah, it's 440 pounds lighter. Uh, I mean, $40 lighter. So it's about 8,000 RPMs and will rip your shoulder out of its socket. Dude, it is. It is just like. <laughs> yeah, no, you will. I mean, it's easy to handle. Like, I, I, um, I can get it on my shoulders and my back. It's loud. But um, I am now literally. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, it is fucking loud. I am now taking a power tool uh, to my body for massage. And it's, I've never felt better. Yeah, I guess you pay a premium for the silent uh, professional model. Well, that's the other thing. I, I went deep on the reviews, uh, my friend Lee. I went deep 
and on the reviews of the the expensive ones because I was I was narrowing it down between five hundred fifty dollars or three fifty for this lower model or an older model of the same brand or there are these cheapo ones for hundred or two hundred and on the reviews even the very expensive ones were super loud and the videos they were like you want to know how loud this loud and they would just start doing it and it almost sounded like my power tool so yeah maybe a few decibels more I I am kind of a nut job for this I, I am aware but. I'm really excited about it, Lee. I saved a ton of money. That's the bottom line. I was about to cough up a ton of cash for something stupid. I guess they just don't have the technology to make something like that quiet. We don't have the technology. Uh, it's pretty violent. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I mean, it would need to be like a gun silencer. I don't know technology. It's like a like know, a like a gas motor. It only gets so silent. A gas motor, <laughs> like a generator. Yeah. Yeah, well, they make silent generators. Um, like they have like two and three thousand watt silent generators, and I mean they're not totally silent, but compared to like a six thousand watt like regular generator, it's like one tenth as loud as those. Yeah, but that's um, the thing. The mo- I don't think the motor is not the problem because it's electric. The explosions. There's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing quieter than like an electric motor. It's just, I think it's the sound of. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I should just stop talking right now. I'm way just the sound of it going like back and forth. I'm way out of my league right now. I've just realized I need to take a step back. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, my other quasi gym corner story, my, my gym adjacent story is I, I said last time I go to the sauna at one of the gyms. And it's Sauna. supposedly very healthy for you. Uh, the heat shock yeah. proteins. I don't know if you've heard about this. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, you know. You're up on it. You're hip. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get that down. But it's healthy. I think it's healthy. But uh, on the other side of the coin, I'm going to this like public owned by the city of Denver gym, like I said earlier on the last pod. And the, the they clean. But it's like a sauna and I'm just like, is this sauna going to kill me with some antibiotic resistant bacteria? <laughs> can, so. I, can I tell you a quick sauna aside? Please. So, uh, on the night of my wedding, um, we stayed at this couple's resort uh, and had the wedding there. You were there, I believe. Yeah, it was a sex hotel. You can call yeah. it is. We're yeah. I mean, sort of, sort of, sort of, kind of, and it probably was a swingers that. hotel. We can also throw that in. Yeah, also sort of kind of that, um, unbeknownst to us. So but, good. Um, no, that was the best wedding venue ever, dude. Yeah, dude. Dildos in the gift shop, uh, framing <laughs> pictures yeah. of people dressed up in Renaissance gear, husband and wife, fat 40-something-year-olds, bald, balding, dressed up in Renaissance gear. Oh, classic. The whole shebang bang. Yep. No, I loved it. Great so ambiance. That was so much fun. So anyway, did yeah. you have a sauna experience at this so, sex hotel? So the, the sauna experience. So in the, uh, the honeymoon suite that we got, it was basically like two, like two stories. Like the room was like two stories. So you walk in to the left, there's like a lounge area. And then directly in front of you, you see this giant champagne glass jacuzzi right. that you have to get into from the second floor. So the entire first floor is the body of the champagne glass. And then it's classy. Big, it's it's classy. I mean, come on now. But so you walk in, that's in front of you. To the right, 
there's a staircase like also ahead of you to the right of the champagne glass to the right of that directly to the right when you walk in is an enclosed pool room so that whole wall is glass and you can see it and there's a heart-shaped pool and then you walk down around a corner of like like three or four stairs down and around the corner and there's a massage table professional massage table dildo machine yeah and then beyond that is the sauna Oh, okay. So it's like a little U-shape down like a half of floor uh, into the sauna area. Okay, so, I'm liking that. So, yeah, so we're like, all right, I'll turn the sauna on now. And then, yes. you know, in, in 15, 20 minutes, we'll come down and we'll check it out. Love it, yeah. So, tr- yeah, yeah. So I turn the sauna on. We turn the humidity up way, way up in the pool room. Turn the heat of the pool up. That was the coolest part of the, of the hotel room was this pool room. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, a private pool is amazing. Shaped like a heart. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so we go up the stairs and to the right is the bedroom, circular bed, mirrors on the walls and ceilings. No big deal. And you got to fuck. Yeah. Got to fuck. So that's to the right straight ahead is closets and to the left is the bathroom. And through the bathroom, you get to the champagne jacuzzi. Um, and that's how we stepped it up there. Champagne jacuzzi, cool in theory. However, slippery in execution. Uh, we couldn't really get our footing in there. We just kept sliding into the center of the jacuzzi glass. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're like turtles, like sliding around in this water. We can't we can't get off our backs. Um, so yeah, we put the bubbles in there. It got real bubbly. We were only in there for like ten minutes because it was just too slippery. Um, so we're like, all right, experience the jacuzzi glass been there done that let's go check out this fucking sauna room and the pool so we go down go down there it's very very cold in the hotel room before we get into the enclosed pool room so we go in there walk down to the massage table and sauna i open the door and i look at the door and very clearly on the back of the door is the imprints of some tna big ass cheek prints right up against the door in the steam <laughs> booby prints right above that so you know they were going front to back and uh that i turned the sun off i closed the door and said that will be it for the sauna for the night and <laughs> that was the last time we went to- you've told this story and it's amazing the- <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i've never heard that before it's crazy yeah the big big ass print right on the door and we um, talked about early uh, on another podcast about how they could be the, the just the cleaning people with uh, T and A shaped sponges. I'm giving <laughs> yes. So ridiculous. Or or actually, you said that the cleaning people actually used their T's and A's to clean. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a timeless uh, uh, method here. Uh, at, yeah. At Pocono Fuck Resort. To, uh, <laughs> to increase the romance. <coughs> so good, very good. Pocono Fuck Resort. I think that's a much better name for it. Oh yeah, I mean, here at Pocono Fuck Resort. Why are we making it such a secret? I guess so people can tell people where they're going, like people who just want to fuck. <laughs> um, they, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's a, a bit of a swingers place. I think the bar we walked through the bar area in the middle of the day, and I was like, "There's a lot of people just hanging, just kind of hanging out." And I thought that was just hanging out. That was interesting. I mean, I guess that's like part of the. I guess like the the hotels like must be booked. Like there must be a lot of people there to have people just like hanging out. You know what I mean? So they're they're all swingers. I'm convinced. But it was fun. 
Yeah. Yeah, we came to that realization kind of halfway through the day. We we're like, I think that all these people are having sex with each other. So who at the wedding was like the person you hadn't seen in the longest amount of time? Ooh, um, I had not seen Jack in a long time. Uh, our, our mutual um, friend, Jack. Uh, so how long was that? Oh, I honestly, I can't say. Maybe five years. Four years, definitely years. And was there people you were meeting for the first time from her side? Um, I, there may have been, I don't know. I don't think so because we had like a, the bridal shower beforehand and like all that kind of stuff. So right. we had all kind of mingled and stuff. My, my parents actually met her dad for the first time at her bridal shower. Oh, okay. And we've been together for, at that point, we've been together for seven years. And how far apart do the, the two parental units live? Um, my parents live down uh, north of the Philadelphia area. So that's like an hour, and, an hour and a half south of me. And then Angel's dad lives in this area. So they live an hour and a half from each other? Yeah. <laughs> and it took them how long to meet? About seven years. Whose fault is that? Um, well, my dad can't really travel that much because um, he has like a lung condition. Oh, right. Um, so he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's don't... his fault. He's selfish. Yeah, yeah. That is what you're saying. So, <laughs> yeah, so he, he gets tired real early. So he goes to bed at like 7 o'clock, 7.30, 8 o'clock. Like he's uh-huh. done by that point. But yeah. he wakes up at like 5 in the morning. I got you. Um, and, and like goes to work and shit. Um. Nah, so he yeah. yeah so so he's by the weekend he's wiped out you know what i mean so if they're doing something during the weekend it's like they're hanging out with their friends they're not trying to come up here all right so like, what's uh what's her parents excuse i mean her dad's excuse uh he runs a very successful real estate business uh Dude, up here. That ex- okay that makes sense yeah um he just opened up offices in new jersey and florida also so he's doing pretty well dude he struck me as a guy who's who's doing all right he is a character. He wore a velour suit, a velour jumpsuit to the bridal shower. Oh my God. Do you, can you send me a picture? Like text me a picture? Like um, find I a do, picture. I, yeah. I'll, I'll try to find one for you. Because yeah, he, he wears like matching, like, you know, like girls wear like the, the bright pink Victoria's secret jumpsuits, just sure. like all pink. Sure. Like, sure. That was him, but it'll be like maroon or like dark oh, yeah. green. Oh no, I can you know totally I mean? see that. Wait, I feel like and he I, like talk, he talks like this and like wears pinky rings and he's like, listen, I'll take care of it. You and know? he's got like he's kind of got Jerry curls, right? Yeah, well, he's Puerto Rican. He's uh, half Puerto Rican, half Italian. Uh huh. Okay, that that makes so much sense. But yeah, we figure like he had he has a, a Hispanic vibe, obviously, and um, and just uh, at the wedding he wore a velvet jacket, a black velvet jacket. <laughs> yep, yep. That was so I thought it was so nice. I wasn't as big of a fan of the other stuff he was wearing, but that black velvet jacket was so nice and it was like a perfect fit. And you can I can tell like when a suit is like has a nice fit. And yeah. you got really lucky or like you paid a lot, you know, for a tailor. Um and obviously he paid he was like pay, paid for the wedding from what I understand. So um uh seems like a generous guy and a very successful guy. Yeah, he's like a Dodge Viper that he drives around. Oh my god, I love the Dodge Viper. Well, 
when I was a teenager, I love the Dodge Viper still do, but that is, yeah, so fun. I appreciate it. You know, if you had to give me one guess, what, what car do you think that I think he would have drove? Um, hmm. <laughs> Take all the demographics. I'm a, I'm a profiling motherfucker. I tell Eva this all the time. I, well, I try to take into account that you're also Italian. So on, on some yeah. level, you're on a similar wavelength. So it'll have to match up at some point in there. <laughs> that, mm. is, that is true. Well, the, the car preference, even if he was all Italian, the car preference would be similar to if he was Maybe all a Porsche, Italian. a Porsche, Porsche, a Porsche. I mean, considering his, his income range, that would make sense. But no, I was actually thinking uh, like a Mustang, like a, I mean, my uncle has like a dumb old souped up Mustang, um, which is super loud and uh, impressive. It's classy, but uh, I pictured him driving like a really, really expensive Mustang, like a awesome paint job, 550 horsepower. Like a Shelby GT. Yes. That's what I'm talking. Yeah. Like a new one, <laughs> like a 20, yeah. 17, whatever. Well, like that's what I pictured. Um, or like a you know a, or like a standard Corvette, just like like the top of the line Corvette that's not custom in any way. It's just like a seventy thousand yeah. dollar. Dude, amount. those those new Corvettes look fucking badass. They do. Like, that's those why things I was thinking, are yeah, like, nice. No shame in that. Compared to yeah. when we were kids in the late nineties, early two thousands, the Corvette sucked. Uh, it was really flat. There was no curves yeah. to it. No. Now it's all curves. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yep. It got like bad, bad. Yeah. They like added some Lambo to it. They were like, we need to fucking Italian this thing up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It got too flat and uh, it was just weird. Yeah. Lambo it up, get some, yeah, like more edges. Yeah. More con. I feel like Lamborghini has a lot of facets and edges and it's, it looks high tech almost and like, like highly engineered, you know, versus like a Ferrari, which is a little bit like smoother and more like yeah el classico you know <laughs> you know have you ever heard of a uh, supercar blondie this person uh internet person nope um so yeah supercar blondie um i see her on facebook she just like she's this like tall blonde yep. uh english lady okay. um and she she goes around and drives just like the most top of the line like concept cars like cars that there's only like one of you know what I mean? Like, like $10 million supercars and stuff like that. And she'll just like, she'll, she'll be like, Hey, let's check out this car here. And like, this is the number one, like fastest car in the world. Like you watch, you press this button and like the entire roof comes up and like goes back into a compartment. And she just like takes you through all the most insane features of the car. Um, this one car that she drove, the brake lights were made of fibers. Um, and when you went into reverse, the fibers changed shape. Whoa. And then like, yeah, yeah. So like they change shape depending on what you're doing. Oh my so God. Like it's like the most luxurious, like. Exactly. You yeah. You don't need this item. And when it breaks, cause it will, it will cost you so much money. Exactly. But like, these are the kind of cars that she's driving. And like, I've never really been into cars, but like I can, I appreciate cars more now that I'm a little bit older yeah. and I can appreciate how long it took for humans to create this. Yeah, they're amazing specimens of engineering and human accomplishment. Tracy Morgan crashed his like $3 million car. Like, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> coming out of the dealership. <laughs> <laughs> I, I crashed my car, got you pregnant. 
He did you hear about this car that he got? So he was at like a stoplight, and there was a big SUV next to him, and his his he was in like a three hundred thousand dollar car or something like that, and it was super low to the ground, and the person in the SUV couldn't see him, and she just like turned and like crashed into him. Oh my god! You crashed into him. I'll get you pregnant. I'm crashing my car, bro. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, um, his car was so low. Yeah, I could see that because SUVs are huge now, and those yep, and they're super high car, up. High performance cars really low. Um, yep. You said the woman was tall and British. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to uh, call you. I'm gonna have to make, keep you honest on that one. She's five foot six and she's Australian. I'm just gonna knit knit some picks, pick some knits. Oh wow, she. It makes her look way taller in the videos. <laughs> well, those cars are so low to the ground. She probably looks like a fucking. Yeah, dude. you. You're right. You're right. That's so funny. I always thought she was like, she was like six foot. Just towering over these little. Yeah, dude. That's so funny. That's why. Oh man. And she even has trouble getting into some of the cars because they're so small. I was going to say, I wonder if, do they film her getting into the car? Cause that could get awkward. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, she does. She usually, there's usually no doors and she just like jumps over the side. Oh yeah. She's, yeah, she's cool. She's a cool one. Supercar Blondie. Wow. Okay. Supercar Blondie here showing you the coolest new stuff here. Let come check this out. I'll have to check that out. It's a good recommendation. I'll check her out. That's what I'm going to do tonight. Yeah. I mean, I don't really, I'm not in the cars, like I said, but like I watch her stuff when it comes on. Cool. Because the cars are just so amazing. It's like, it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I'm going to check that out. Um, I have a recommendation for you, sir. Ooh. That you get. A life. No, um, sorry. Side note: I watched. I watched three identical strangers. Oh, what'd you think? Oh uh, yeah, Angel and I watched it. It was insane. And like, like the first part was like the first half of it, and then the second part comes and it's like actually, this is what was going on, and you're just like Jesus Christ. Oh, so good. Yeah. Oh my God. So it was ridiculous. Yeah, documentaries that have a twist are fantastic. Documentaries that are important are fantastic. And then ones that talk about like hidden history that is so clearly true. Yeah. Uh, like one. And then at the end, they hit you with the extra bombshell I, about the fucking sister. Oh, and the, oh, my God, the extra bombshell at the very end. And like, it just makes it even worse for them sitting there. I need to watch this again because I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right because it ends like the last 10 minutes. They're like still delivering tons of information from what I remember. And yeah. it's like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like it's like because the documentary, you need to focus on this amazing story. But like the amount of data that they were dumping at the end was like startling, you know? Absurd. Yeah. They're like, yeah, it's some, I, yeah. Little, some little program, but they're like, yeah, but this is what some quote unquote, some little program does with a little government grant money you know yeah there were basically like four huge twists in the entire thing right and like they just get progressively crazier until the very end and you're just left so disillusioned and then there's just like no and then there is no ending like there's yeah. no closure for these well, people uh it's secret so uh actually a uh, little known fact the sequel is won't you be my neighbor the mr rogers story they uh the scientist turns into mr rogers and he it's, it's all about <laughs> Rogers' dark past. His his redemption song. No, his dark past. He's trying to <laughs> redeem himself for. Yeah, um, yeah. Great movie, and and I love the idea of um, this institution receiving government money because it was like the fifties, and 
these pe- the government was like, we need to beat the Soviets and we need to like figure out all we can. Like um, human studies were like super new at that point, behavioral studies. And so just like the idea of the government throwing tons of money around, because they also, you know, dosed people with acid to see if they could control yep. minds. Like they did everything uh, to try and get an edge. And so they just threw a bunch of stuff against the wall and that was one of them. But like the fallout is like thousands of people's lives are ruined apparently. Yeah. And the thing is you can read people's minds on psychedelics. And that's why uh, there's human sacrifice. I guess that's so crazy. (laughs) And then bring it all back home. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, sir, I, uh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get ready. I'm tired. I'm a, I'm an old man like your dad. But what what else? You got anything else for this episode, or should we should we hop on another time? I feel like I'm I'm, I'm glad we're doing this a little bit earlier now. I feel like definitely now that I'm getting older, my brain gets gets intellectually sleepier earlier. Oh yeah, me too. You know, I still go to bed at like three in the morning, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I can't I can't pod past ten. I don't think. You're just, it you're just, just I'm just not in, in top form. Yeah, you're my just brain is just for the last five hours. Yeah. yeah, it's true. I just I I don't really like going to sleep. I would rather be awake and just not be tired uh-huh. than sleep. Oh, I think I was mentioning too. I fast and a, and a, uh, you know I do intermittent fasting. And a coworker said he couldn't do that. He would get pissy. And I was like, I don't get pissy with no food. I get pissy with with no sleep. <laughs> and so that's my that's the thing I need. So, yeah, no sleep. Like sleep deprivation of, of dance marathon. Oh right. Yeah, good old good old Penn State dance marathon for forty eight yep. hours. I never did the whole forty eight hours because I'm not gonna stay awake for that long. <laughs> no yeah, I did it. I did it in two thousand and two thousand and eight. Oh my god. All right. Next time can we talk about that experience? Yeah, absolutely. It was a crazy experience. All right, let's get on let's get on maybe next week talk about this this thon experience real quick yeah let's do it um the next three civil is coming up uh july 11th 12th 13th 14th that weekend um so it's going to start getting crazy two weeks yeah yeah we uh i realized that we're doing three civils every two months in the summer i didn't realize it was all that close together but it's every two months second weekend in may second weekend in july second weekend in september amazing that's like that's crazy balls to the wall that's amazing it is it is it's it's intense over here all right let's get on next week i want to hear about thon and and maybe talk threestable before you before you get out there let's do it all right cool so uh yeah well that was a great a great little pod and uh i guess we'll uh we'll see everybody we'll see we'll see you next time and I don't think we need outro music really because you know we're just we're just one big happy family i mean i guess we can do the thong song let's stand right here we'll, we'll redirect them is that not the ladies know <laughs> all right later everybody talk about. you know the final thing you like